Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It's been a little while, mm-hmm. it's been since the middle of November that we've actually recorded a show, but yeah. we're back here in 2014, hopefully going to be going strong. We might need to inter- reintroduce ourselves like you like to do so Well, much. you know, this is your host Adam Sayed. Co-host Luke Reed. Alright Luke, well how's everything going? Pretty good dude, can't complain. Spoiled, no longer living outside. Oh, I know. You actually have an apartment now. You yeah. actually live in a. You actually live within four walls with it's the beautiful pre- girl. It's pretty amazing, yeah. But she's just your roommate, right? right? Well, she's my roommate slash eye candy. So, gotcha. Well, you know, ladies, Luke is still available. So y'all just you know, y'all just need to get in line. Pick a number. Well, uh, hadn't done a show for a while. Just things have been kind of crazy, uh, you know, working and all that, and uh, getting used to new. Uh, living situations and uh, we actually have a, uh, a new soundboard that we're working with tonight so and a new uh, program to record Skype so tonight's kind of an experimental show yes you know Adam is serious I'm a serious guy man. serious uh, but um, <clears throat> we have Robert Hyde coming on he came on at the end of 2012 and uh, we were going to have him on uh, a couple weeks ago but uh, he had to cancel so we're we're recording this on the 5th of January, 2014, as we prepare for a, the big snowstorm to hit Nashville. Everybody's freaking out. Well, well everybody's freaking out buying uh, bread and milk. We're in here recording a podcast. Yeah, and so, I, I love to drive in it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I know, because you're crazy. But such as it is. It's so. true. <laughs> this is true. I went to see... Uh, Paranormal Activity 5 last night, the marked ones. And let me just tell you, man, it was an okay movie, even though I have no context because I haven't seen, I've only seen one and two. I have not seen three or four. Oh, yeah, no no context (laughs) at all, man. So you're telling me that this one uh, uh, didn't have an hour, 45 minutes full of silence where you stared at people, families, and... (laughs) In empty rooms in their houses for the whole movie. <laughs> well, actually, no. I mean, it was a little more exciting than that. But this one, this one actually goes from suburbia to the hood. 
So now we get to see Ooh. like it's like the the, the Mexican kind of like Hispanic culture oh. going on, you know, and how they and how they deal with it, even though it fits in with the rest of the movie or the rest of the movie series. But uh, it's uh, I'm just getting really kind of tired of those kind of movies where yeah. everybody's got a camera in their hand. And <laughs> right. It's like, well, I, well, why do that? I, actually, I really enjoy that. It, it gives you a real sense of realism. Like, uh, what, what was that Godzilla-like movie that came out? A Cloverfield. Few years ago? Yeah, yeah, Cloverfield, man. Like, that's one of the first ones that I'd seen right. like that. And it just it gives you a sense of realism. Well, Cloverfield was the one that kind of started it all. Yeah. Because you know. you're trying to follow with your eye what's going on. You're trying your best. Like, oh, you're trying to get a glimpse of the monster, but the camera's moving around so right. quick. Well, in that movie, it was effective, but now it's just kind of been done oh, to yeah. death. Right, right, right. Like, the first Paranormal Activity was uh, it was a good movie for the reason that it was made for about $10,000 in, in the guy's house. And the movie made, like, what? Fifty million dollars, or just something ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Like the, I don't even know how many times that is of the the investment that he made in it. Yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> this one was just like, well, just a couple of things. And there's one part where where my friend and I were we were watching it, and uh, he. It, the guy's watching TV with the camera on, and it's like, now who's watching TV with their camera on? You know, who's doing right. that? You know, it just gets kind of and and, and who's going to be in the in the haunted house? You know, the haunted house situation, and and you got the camera on the whole time, and you're I, moving I know, around. Uh, come on, that you they know? they count on the viewer to forget that that you know that's shaky camera mode because they have to show everything, right. And, you know, and get everything that uh, is in the plot, like in the movie or, or in the script, into the movie, while still having that whole shaky camera. Deal. Yeah, it's the it's the viewer's suspension of disbelief. There you go. But it's just you know, which is a common thing, right? I mean, that's like just every work of fiction. Right. But this just I don't know. It's just starting to get on my nerves. You always you have to have these movies with with the gimmick now. You know, yeah. like the one that came out a few years ago. Uh, the fourth kind. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Mm -hmm. That was by like Alien Abductions. No. And so they had the purported real footage next to the the footage that was being filmed. Well, it turned out that the real footage was fake. So it was made for the movie. So what was the point of that? It was it was as an effective movie with the plot that it had without putting in the gimmick. Right. You know, that what, just, what was the point of it? I guess it that, just detracted away from it. They they meant it to be something that, you know, oh, this this is real, you know, to yeah. to raise the fear, the fear level. Right. So, you know, we're going to have now Paranormal Activity 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. I mean, when, when, is, when does it stop? When it's people like, stop going. When people start going <laughs> to the movie theater. Yeah, I guess they just wanted to do a movie where they kind of got out of suburbia. And they're, you know, well, one of the funny parts in it, not to give anything away, but like at the end of the movie, they're trying to find the possessed kid, you know. And so they go to the gang member's house to go get them to help them. So it's like you got the you got the coven of witches on the other side, and then you got the vatos with the with, <laughs> with, the, with the machine guns. <laughs> Shock! I mean, just it just got kind of ridiculous towards the end, and you know. But anyway, Luke, we were uh, talking before about we got to 
go go out with Doctor Future the other night. Yeah. Uh, right before yeah, right before Christmas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I got to hang out with him. You guys got to talk and to see the inside about what you all talked about. Um, yeah, we covered a bunch of topics. I was I just kept on asking him questions. Um, uh, what's some of the stuff we talked about? Do you remember? You all talked about a lot of. The kind of stuff that you're interested in with uh, chemicals and food oh yeah, and uh, plants for things. one thing. Yeah, plants, yeah. <laughs> he was telling us that it, it, uh, pretty soon that they're trying to make way. Uh, corporations, you know, like like Monsanto, are trying to make way so that uh, it's going to be illegal to even grow your own medicinal plants for your own personal usage. Like you know, more illegal than it would be to grow marijuana. Yeah, right. And then the federal government's coming down on people that, that grow their own plants. I think it was at uh, Codex Elementarius, something like that. I'm not as versed in that stuff as you are, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. What did you call it? Codex? Codex Elementarius, I think is what it is. I'd have to look, at, I'd have to look, at, look it up. But uh, you were telling me today about something that you were uh, yeah, uh, looking at uh, about this um, val- some kind of acid. Valproic acid. Uh, I was reading a, on a Wikipedia article. It's even saying that it could help and and cure HIV and cancer. Oh. Yeah, and uh, it, it said that the clinical trials were held, but no, um, none of those claims actually were substantiated. Which you know, to me, it, it raises the question: like, uh, okay, did they just, you know, halt the research on this? Did they stop it? Yeah. You know, immediately. That's what I kind of jumped to, but. Uh, it, it increases the brain's neuroplasticity. It, it, uh, in the article, it says... So explain that what that is, neuroplasticity. It, it's um, your ability to learn new information. And it, it, uh, in the NPR article, it was talking about it takes you back to uh, the state of like a seven-year-old brain mm-hmm. and how easily it absorbs you know, all the information that it's receiving. Sure. Um, so... But it does have side effects that they're still trying to figure out how to get around those, you know, and just get the benefit. Yeah. You were talking about the uh, movie Limitless. Yeah. Which uh, in that movie, there's like a drug that. Can... Yeah, the pill. The pill that he takes in Limitless gives him extreme focus and cognizance and attention. You know, everything just makes him mentally just top, top shape. Yeah. Pretty much, you can do anything. Yeah, and I, I personally, I don't have really any kind of um, uh, proof to back this up, but I think that people are using that right now that, you know, wealthy, or the wealthier people already mm-hmm. have pills like this that they're taking. And if you look up new tropics, N-O-O tropics on uh, Wikipedia, it gives you a complete list of everything that um, affect, will affect humans neurologically. Yeah. And um, that's, that's pretty interesting. I suggest everybody check that out. It has all of the synthetics, like all of your antidepressant meds, MAOIs, and all of that kind of stuff. And then it's got the organic things like fruits and, uh, you know, herbs and things like that that do the same thing. Pretty neat. So do you think that people in the past didn't need to take all of them? Obviously, we didn't have all these drugs like Prozac and all yeah. these kind of, you know, <clears throat> these drugs. But do you think that people had stuff in their diets? Yeah, that they were able to exactly use the one one thing um, one thing, bark. Um, Native Americans were eating tree bark, and it was uh, 
helping their stomach and digestion and everything big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every you know that's a real common one right there. But some something that just came to mind. Um, I was watching a uh, lecture from I don't know who I can't remember the dude's name. It was on Facebook last night. Uh, I stayed up real late just watching videos and, and this dude was talking about. Uh, consciousness, the war on consciousness is what the lecture was called. And, was uh, this Graham Hancock? I think so. Okay. I think that's his name, yeah. And he was talking about how odd it was that, that there's over, what, like a hundred thousand species in the Amazon and that the, the uh, ancient tribes found that one vine that would enable the DNT to be activated the uh, it get to get past the enzyme. Remember, Doctor Future was talking mm-hmm. about that enzyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's in the MOAI. Yeah, no, yeah, something else. But yeah, uh, the inhibitor, anyway, the enzyme yeah. inhibitor or whatever. It uh, they found the one vine, you know, in that entire jungle full of species that would do that. And how how could a tribe that knows nothing about science, you know, land on that vine yeah. to to do that kind of thing? That's well, he. Um, you know he's been he's been around for a while. Graham Hancock. He wrote a book called "Sign of the Seal," mm-hmm. which was about uh, the search of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. This was in the '90s. He also wrote another book about forgotten civilizations, which I ha- I have both of those books. But in the like early 2000s or so, he wrote a book called "Supernatural," and I haven't read the book. But apparently, what it is, it's about his <laughs> taking ayahuasca mm-hmm. in Peru. And how, through the use of such hallucinogenic drugs, people, ancient peoples, were able to find these plants. Yeah. In the like the like almost as if the plants guided the people to themselves. Right. And that's that's pretty miraculous, right there. Right. Yeah. So, Grandpa, Grandpa. Hancock's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, totally. You know, that would be awesome too to get somebody like him on the show. But, yeah. You know, that guy's... <laughs> He's pretty, a lot yeah, of pretty famous. Pretty famous. So, but uh, if there's nothing to add, I think we'll go ahead and go on to the guest, Mr. Robert Hyde, who's returning from uh, last year. And we're going to talk to him about uh, supernatural stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe you could ask him about some of that we just talked about. Word um, up. You know, I'm sure he'd be... You know, probably put his 50 cents in for you. Cool. So, uh, we're, well, nothing else to add. We'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal with Robert Hyde. All right, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. Whoop, whoop. You know who this is. And uh-huh. uh, this guy right next to me, <laughs> Mr. Luke. Right All right. We have on the line Mr. Robert Hyde. And as I mentioned before, Robert was uh, kind enough to join us all the way from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, which isn't too far away from here, I suppose, but two and a half hours from us here in Nashville. But you got any snow over there, Robert? Uh, none yet, but they're calling for uh, freezing rain and uh, temperatures plunging to about zero, I think, tonight. Yeah, it's going to be really nice here, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But we got Robert on the line, and we're going to talk tonight uh, about some supernatural stuff. Last, uh, well, would have been 2012, really. So not last year, but in December of 2012, we talked about some kind of more conspiracy-oriented stuff. Uh, we talked about uh, well, a little bit about like kind of like the police state and those kind of things. 
And uh, I wanted to get Robert back on. We're going to talk about um, supernatural things that uh, some of his ideas on supernatural stuff, uh, some of his uh, own experiences. So, Robert, welcome back to Conspiranormal. Yeah, it's great to be back, Adam. Thank you for coming back on. And uh, you got Luke with you tonight, don't you? Absolutely. He's I'm right playing, here. I'm playing Quiet Mouse tonight. Yeah, he's right here. <laughs> How you doing, Luke? Uh, decent. Can't complain. All right. Well, Robert, you wanted to share some stuff with us about uh, Supernatural. You know, I've kind of talked off air a little bit. And uh, let's start talking about a subject that uh, you've been studying recently. And that is sleep paralysis. So tell us some of the things that uh, you've been uh, keeping up with on sleep paralysis. You know, basically kind of explain. You know, we've kind of had a show about this, but kind of go into a little bit about what that is and then what some of your ideas are about it. Okay, well, you know, I haven't really studied a lot recently, but I just wanted to pass on a a real-life story. I have a friend who... uh, uh, I've known just a few years, but he was telling me the other day <clears throat> that uh, a few years ago, probably a year or two before I ever knew him, <clears throat> he had had a very intense experience with sleep paralysis, uh, where he was uh, lying in bed, you know, in the middle of the night, maybe 2 a.m. or something like that. And it's the kind of the classic story where... <clears throat> Members of his family were out in another room. Uh, I think he was already married at that time. <clears throat> his wife was in another room, and uh, folks were talking and so forth. And he was asleep in his own bedroom. Okay. And suddenly, he was awake, and he has this enormous pressure on his chest, and he is totally unable to speak. Mm. And uh, naturally was afraid and when he when he tried to call out to his family to you know get them to come and help or know what the situation was you know <clears throat> he would express you know his fear and so forth and nothing would come out of his mouth uh, okay. and and he, he he mentioned to me that he was you know, he was just aware at the time that it was as if he could die in that room and nobody would have any idea in the next yeah, room no what was going on. And, you know, you know, fortunately, of course, obviously, you know, the experience passed. Uh, he didn't die or anything. But, uh, you know, it really got me thinking because that was the the first really strong first-hand conversation I'd had with anybody who'd had sleep paralysis. And it got me thinking about what uh, Mike Tater has talked about in in regards to sleep paralysis. When he and I, excuse me, went to Roswell a couple of years ago, and he gave a, a kind of a seminar on that, which I thought was pretty good. And he basically was touching the same bases that uh, this guy was experiencing. And I just thought that was worth thinking about. And since you're into paranormal type stuff, I thought, you know, have you run into people with experiences like this that you 
are interested in saying anything about? I haven't. Yeah, actually, I have. Uh, there's been a couple of people since I've started doing this show that have had these kind of experiences. Uh, and by the way, Mike Tater is uh, also very well known as Tom Bionic. Right. Who we've had on the show uh, long ago, almost mm -hmm. two years ago now, yeah. <laughs> back wow. when we started. And we, we did a whole show on uh, sleep paralysis, his ideas on sleep paralysis. Yeah. I think that's like show number... It's got to be three or four, four or five, yeah. something, three or four, something, yeah, something like, that. like that. Yeah. And, uh, but since I've had this show, uh, I've had a couple of people that I've known that have had experiences with it. And I don't know if that's a coincidence or whether anything with the show or not. One, uh, was a former person that used to be involved with this show is not anymore. And, uh, he told me that he woke up in the middle of the night uh, with a cloaked figure standing above him. Now, this is actually was related on the show. Uh, he was, at first he thought it was someone had come into his apartment, was wearing something like a hoodie, something like that. And he, and in his uh, door knob, or his door, something wouldn't lock, like his lock was broken, something like that. that. And, he said that he woke up and this this thing was standing over him and he tried to scream and then nothing happened. He Then he woke up. Uh, the second person saw a figure in a tree outside of his house and looked outside, saw like a figure with these kind of like eyes looking at him. And then he said he went to sleep and he could feel like the weight of something on his chest, very similar to the story you told, Robert. Right. And he said that he looked up and there was something like pointing at him over his, over his, you know, over him in the bed. So those are a couple of stories that I've heard uh, since then, uh, since I've started the show. But, but I've had experiences myself when I was younger, but I've always kind of more chalked them up to kind of... Uh, physiological or physical things uh -huh. because sleep paralysis is, you know, physiological. Uh, it's kind of more like a, a defense mechanism where you don't lash out in your sleep when you're dreaming. Uh, but there is, I think it is like kind of a, a doorway in a way to other realm or, or something like that. So there have been a few things and a few people that I've known that have experienced it. Yeah. You know, I was uh, <clears throat> looking over Mike's website, uh, stopsleepparalysis.org. Uh, <clears throat> he has a, a fairly lengthy blog post on there by Chris White, where Chris talks about various things that can contribute to that, which I think is pretty good. You know, it's at least pretty good as far as it goes. I might like to go a little farther on... Uh, on the subject of sleep paralysis. Uh, Chris definitely <clears throat> takes it to be often a, uh, a specifically spiritual type of experience. That it's yeah. not merely uh, a natural, <clears throat> uh, strictly material type of experience, which I think is good. <clears throat> uh, 
I have wondered if if we could identify some of the entities uh, that might be involved in something like that. And that's probably something for us to postpone a little bit and talk about later on in the evening. But sure, yeah. <clears throat> well, I kind of wanted to go into um, some of your experiences, uh, Robert, yourself, and I wanted to start off with an experience that you had when you were younger uh it was something to do with being out in new mexico yes and there was an area that was experiencing a ton of cattle mutilations and if you could kind of go into that kind of relay that story what happened uh what happened with that okay um it, this happened a really long time ago and uh I couldn't guarantee you whether it happened <clears throat> as early as 1974 or as late as 1976, but it was somewhere okay. in the bracket of those three years. <clears throat> I was living in uh, <clears throat> central New Mexico, town of Socorro, and uh, we began to get reports in the local press, in the local New Mexico press, and I don't remember whether it's Albuquerque Journal or, <clears throat> or what, what it was, but there was some reports of cattle mutilation, and the first we had heard about it, it was either uh, <clears throat> in Trinidad, Colorado area, or the area around Raton, New Mexico, which was a couple of hundred miles north northeast of where we were. And over a period of days or weeks, <clears throat> as we were following this, uh, a couple of friends and I, uh, we began to notice that the, that the stories of these cattle mutilations was, was definitely moving south, and it was hitting in ranchers, uh, you know, moving down basically on a track through Las Vegas, New Mexico, and... Uh, and maybe uh, maybe uh, around close to Berlin. And since we were in Socorro, you know, it was kind of this feeling that it was he this phenomenon was heading our direction. And all we knew about it was that we didn't know what was going on, uh, but <clears throat> there was a fear that was expressed that, you know, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was some kind of a satanic ritual type of thing or yeah. what sort of thing was going on. And at that time <clears throat> I was friends with, uh, a number of Christian brothers and sisters who were open and sensitive to that sort of thing. So we took it pretty seriously. And, uh, so, uh, what we decided to do and I probably more or less suggested it, was uh, we went to a town up the road from us uh, with the idea <clears throat> of praying for and with the sheriff in that town and uh, for protection in the situation. And so uh, two or three of us hopped in the car and... Uh, drove up to this town a few miles north and we were able to find the sheriff of the county 
and just basically briefly, you know, introduced who we were and asked if we could pray with him, which I'd never done anything like that before in my life. <clears throat> and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be all right. And we expressed our concern, you know, for him and and the guys who were working with him. And we wanted to pray for their protection. So we did. And uh, uh, it was kind of kind of crazy simple type of thing we just prayed for him you know and five or ten minutes later we left and you know it was like see you later and but the interesting thing was that as far as we could tell and we knew as we continued follow up <clears throat> the cattle mutilations did stop in that area at that time and i don't know for how long they stopped whether it was months or years or whatever because i right. moved away from new mexico <clears throat> shortly yeah. thereafter uh and i really you know i've always thought about it what an interesting situation it was but never you know there was never any follow-up about it except that when uh mike mike uh bennett and i went out to uh to a UFO conference in Las Vegas in about 2005. Was this the crash retrieval conference? Yeah. I met Linda Moulton Howe, who had done the original research on that phenomenon. And I told her a little bit about my own story. And she was kind of interested in it. Uh, hmm. You know, we, there was nothing to ever follow up or, you know, that I gave any kind of interview or anything like that. So <clears throat> it was nothing more than a data point. But it was an interesting data point for me. And, uh, th th and the feeling that uh, whatever the phenomenon is, uh, Christian prayer uh, seems to be fairly effective against it. And, you know, I, I can't say how how effective or whatever, but just, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting situation. Robert, do you have any theories of what you think the mechanism was there with, with that? Um, <clears throat> I, the thing that, that is inclined to, to, to me, the thing that seems to fit the, the most, uh, information that makes the most sense to me <clears throat> is that you, we probably are dealing with some kind of extraterrestrial entities okay. that are uh, that are interested in extracting blood or or living tissues from animals for whatever purpose. Uh, the idea that that this is a satanic ritual. Uh, I don't really think so. I, I think uh, a satanic ritual uh, is probably uh, more likely to uh, to involve things like human sacrifice uh, than just uh, bothering some helpless mammal or other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, but I don't know. I mean, you just wonder what's what's going on there. But I I suspect that it's that it may be some kind of a, an et type of phenomenon okay so robert you kind of believe a little differently i think than some 
of the more kind of like mainstream evangelical. I mean, you hear a lot of, uh, well, it's all demonic. Uh-huh. This idea of aliens as being all demonic. You know, I kind of lean myself towards that. But you have a more, like, you look at it as more like possibly that there could be aliens here. Yeah. Uh, that are on Earth. And that it, it could also be that there are that there are demons as well. Right. Uh, you know, what do you think your idea, that idea comes from? How do you see that that, that works out, that there's aliens here, but there may also be demons uh, masquerading as aliens? Okay, uh, I think the word that I would use is, instead of using the word demonic to refer to, to me the word demonic means uh, bad guys that we think we know what they are. Okay. Like we think they're fallen angels or something. Okay, but whatever it is, we've got them figured out. And right. my view is is to simply say, we are dealing with something that appears to be hostile. It is hostile to good people. It is hostile to ordinary human beings. And, and so... That, that would be the, the broad categorization that I would use. And then I would say, uh, you know, what, what I'm really just saying is, what's wrong with thinking that there are hostile entities uh, that come from some other source than simply uh, uh, <clears throat> the underworld on this planet or uh, Paradise Lost or... Okay. Inferno or anything like that. Yeah. Did you remember hearing a story about a a guy who went through a uh, what do you call it a, a, a abduction experience? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he he apparently had some kind of little piece of metal in one of his toes or something like that. Okay. And, uh, when he went to go have it surgically removed, the doctor was trying to put the scalp- scalpel to his toe, and the metal uh, piece was moving around. Kept moving that? around. Yeah, yeah, that's that's happened on more than one occasion. Yes, I, I'm familiar uh, with that story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did they ever prove any of those to be hoaxes, or you know? I'm not aware that any of that was ever proven to been hoaxes or anything. Right. That's that was my understanding. And, and where's the samples of the metals? Uh, there's a guy named Roger Lear. He's a podiatrist or something like that. And uh, he is the one that works mostly on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a lot of them. Huh. Those, those, uh, He's kind of has a collection to study and everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to meet Dr. Lear uh at that very same UFO Congress that we went to. And uh, I was really impressed with the guy. Uh, he came across to me as the real the real deal. Yeah, I think he's pretty legitimate. Uh-huh. Um, he just, he's just a, like I said, he's like a foot doctor. Uh-huh. You know? And he stumbled in, somebody came to his office and said, you know, I've got this problem. And he looked at it, and it was like nothing he'd ever seen. And, you know, since then, he's been helping people out that have these things in their body. Wow. You know? And, and uh, is, this a, is this a concentrated area that this is happening in, or is this throughout the nation? 
probably throughout the world. I've I've never seen any story outside of America that has to do with like yeah. what with foreign. Usually it's in like the West you hear about it, but that's yeah. where he is. Right. So right, right, right. You know, who knows if there's anything else out there? Um, I've I've seen that a lot of New Age authors say that the parts that they're removing from the cattle, uh, they're trying to. To, trying to extract enzymes or something like that. It's uh, I forget the specific author, but you know, my mom was telling me about how they yeah, how they're trying too. to to mine the cattle for specific uh, enzymes or something like that because they can't digest food or <laughs> something right. like that. Right. I hate to be so vague about it, but <laughs> when, when you get secondhand information, <laughs> yeah, it's like the Lemurians did it or something like that. <laughs> oh boy. <clears throat> So we're not necessarily dealing with all you think demonic in the in the religious sense of the word. Uh, yeah, I would say not necessarily demonic. Uh, just you know, maybe a better word would be uh, angelic, or uh, or I, I would just prefer to actually just use the word extraterrestrial to say okay. uh, possibly beyond the the boundaries of this planet. You know. Yeah. Well, Luke has an interesting idea, I think, about what extraterrestrials are. Yeah, I, I kind of shift back and forth a lot. You know, a lot of my beliefs are really dynamic, um, change over time, uh -huh. you know, right. a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm on to now thinking that it's all just, uh, like, oh, man, I don't even know what I think at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, extra just, dimensional, something like that. Yeah. Um, and instead, I, I don't believe in, in um, like physical, solid alien beings. You know, I, I believe that uh, it, it is like spirit energy, you know, either either dark or light that uh, takes possession over people. I, I don't. I, I kind of cut out the aliens altogether. Yeah. Now you know, and you know, I am uh, intelligent design theorist and uh, ancient astronaut theorist too. So I, I definitely do believe in aliens. I just don't believe the whole abduction thing going on. Okay. okay. It, or or that or that abduction, all of that abduction stuff going on is actually you know spiritual in nature. Do you think that that's physical? What? The, no. Do you think the abduction stuff is spiritual in nature? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Not not physical. Well, you and I would agree there. Any insight in that uh, about the abduction phenomenon, Robert? You know I. I just uh, try to listen to all the stories and uh, see what they what they have in common and what they're different. And I'm like you; you just have to be sort of agnostic about it, curious, mm -hmm. interested, you know, right. uh, willing to change your opinions, not get not get locked down. Right, right. But you know, uh, having said that, <clears throat> you invited me to to come on and you know talk about these issues and. I've been pretty reluctant in the past to uh, to do that very specifically, but I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to say, you know, let's talk about these things. Uh, we don't have to we don't have to lock our opinions down, and we can change our minds a year or two up the road if uh, something interesting comes along and changes our minds. But uh, in the meantime, let's say what we think, huh? Exactly. I mean, it's a good outlook to have. Can I ask you, Robert, why were you reluctant to talk about this kind of thing before? 
Well, you know, partly maybe it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I got an idea of reputation. Uh, what will all my friends think? But I would also say it's, it's uh, on the good side, it's, um, it's kind of let's be conservative. Let's, let's let other people who know more uh, say what they think. And those of us who know less uh, be a little quieter about it. Okay. But, but I think it's time to, to be uh, open and uh, talk friends with friends. And as long as we understand, we're just batting ideas around and trying to figure something out. Right, say, exactly. Hey, let's go for it. Right, exactly. There seems to be so much cover-up on the subject, too, so it's, it's a good thing that uh, people are more open about these kind of things and sharing this information these days because, you know, something, something specific that comes to mind is even right here locally, you know, in Murfreesboro, where I, I had an ex-girlfriend who was talking about how, you know, her and her dad watched the light in the sky, yeah. basic, you know, standard UFO behavior, uh -huh. according to the reports. Where it, where it stopped, stood still for a second, you know, and then zipped, uh, you know, a, a different angle, maybe several miles in the sky, and then stayed there for a second and then zipped off. And he, they said that they even heard it mentioned on the local radio that they were listening to, and then nothing else after that. You know, it's just, it's just gone. Right. There's, right. That's it. <laughs> it's interesting how incurious people are. It's like, <clears throat> it's like lots of us lots of people we really are afraid to talk about or admit that there is something serious going on that we don't understand so we mm -hmm. just we just don't talk about it and uh, people get real incurious real fast uh, right I got a question for you Adam this is this is a leading question uh, <clears throat> where did you come up with the word which I think you must have invented called Conspiranormal to describe <laughs> your uh, your radio show? Well, I mean, I wrestled with what I would call a podcast if I ever did one, and I came up on this one. Uh, there was a book <laughs> that I had uh, gotten in the 90s that I still have, actually, called Conspiranoia. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And I really always liked the title. Uh, I didn't want to flat out just steal the title. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe adjust it somewhat. Uh, but my, my two big interests were conspiracy theory stuff. Uh -huh. uh, and the paranormal. And the paranormal. Right. So, and kind of like, you know, hidden history our history that people don't really know about, uh, the influence of, let's say, secret societies throughout history, uh -huh. uh, that kind of thing. Right. Well, the feeling for me was that there's probably something that there's a linkage between that and the paranormal. Right. Okay. And these things that go on in that also people that I know, uh, that have had these uh, haunting experiences or a few people that we've had on the show like Bill Bean and Tim Yancey a uh, few people that, that have had these violent haunting experiences and also um, 
equating that with what we were just talking about with alien abductions, um, how those things all kind of fit in with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also a way to bring two different kinds of groups together for me personally, uh, which I don't know if I have succeeded in in any way, but the uh, <laughs> two different groups that I was around that I would go to conferences and I would hear speak were people in the ghost hunting paranormal community, which you've been to, with me to one of those conferences, right. Robert, and people in kind of the more conspiracy oriented or just trying to get down to, you know, brass tacks about what has happened in our world. Uh, those two people kind of never really, groups of people never really met with each other. It wasn't that they didn't necessarily see eye to eye. It was just two separate kinds of genres of, of just kind of weird stuff, mm-hmm. you know, or strange, interesting stuff out of the norm, you know. So it was this <laughs> whole show has been an attempt to kind of bring those two together. Uh, you know, so my my whole thing now is trying to figure out a way of, you know, where does, you know, the whole thing is a conspiracy theory, things like the Kennedy assassination, things like 9-11, uh, you know, things like the, <laughs> you know, Cecil Rhodes Roundtable, uh, Freemasonry, you know, even the Illuminati, which... I have my doubts even exist. Yeah, same here. But, uh, you know, how that that is influenced by spirits on the other side of the realm. You know what I mean? Like uh, the idea of as above, so uh, as below, so above, I think is what it is. Oh, I got you, yeah. Kind of like an underworld idea. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how those two things influence each other. And if there's any influence on one, uh, like the secret society guys, uh, which I believe kind of comes out of the Gnosticism in the ancient world, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S-M, are the occult. And what that also has to do with somebody in their house being tormented by an evil spirit. Right. Well, I... I was interested because <clears throat> I think your your choice of a word or your creation of a word <clears throat> is a pretty good one, and uh, and everybody can kind of see from the word itself that you are blending uh, these two ideas, and it allows us to kind of take it and go various ways with it, which right. I think is great. That's, that seems to be an idea that's taken back to ancient times, too. But look at uh, the Greek and Roman gods who copied in their stories what was happening politically with yeah. the people. You know, and, and uh, shortly after, like when they were, you know, whenever they were writing the stories about the gods, they would copy the same thing that's going on you know, politically in the empire. Right. Right. As above, so below. Right. Yeah. And, and that's usually the influence of, well, I would say quote-unquote, little gods with a G, uh, or little gods with a little G, I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, How that uh, has influenced this kind of quest for power. 
in the world that I think we're still seeing today. And how that's, I think, you know, gearing up eventually for the ultimate showdown, which I have no idea when that's going to happen. So, Have you ever, uh, you know, wrestled with <clears throat> the question, I, I'm sure you have really, that uh, how much, since, since we are all conscious beings in a conscious universe, uh, <clears throat> how much of what we experience that is hostile uh, is uh, a projection of our own uh, fears or um, what's the word I'm looking for and, and how much of it is actually objectively external to ourselves. You know, in other words, do we, <clears throat> to what extent do we create our enemies uh, yeah. versus our enemies literally hassling us and and there's not so much we can do about it. What do you think about that? Well, I'd say that uh, from the stories that I've heard, I think that there's definitely, um, well, you know, take guys like Bill Bean and Tim Yancey, for instance. These guys grew up with these horrible things happening to them. Uh, where they were being tormented by something unseen and something that they did not understand as children. Uh, that basically, uh, if, you, if you hear their accounts or read their accounts, basically destroy their families. Uh -huh. They're not the only ones. There's a lot of people out there like that. Uh, now, I do think that there's definitely spirits that wish us ill will do not like us uh and just probably really basically have fun tormenting us mm -hmm. or feed off of us even we had a nice long discussion about that on an earlier show remember where we were talking about uh, what percentage would you know be actually something just from the mind and right. what percentage would be an actual spiritual entity that's taken over you somehow, that's uh, influencing you somehow. Yeah. I think there's a fine line there. So right, you, have exactly. to be, you have to be careful where you draw that line. It, it, it seems to me that there's no choice but to make it kind of a 50-50 thing, you know, half yeah. and half, half mind, half spiritual being. Right. Uh -huh. So I think that there, now, are there projections that we project these horrible things, or maybe we don't understand what is going on? Uh you know, I mean, I'm sure a mouse really doesn't understand what's going on when it's being taught to run a maze. But I'd say sure. I'd say that we definitely probably project our own fears onto something that's unknown. Uh, if there's a light in the sky, uh, like the what Luke was saying that his ex-girlfriend saw, then, you know, are we... It's just a light in the sky. Are we projecting what we uh how we feel or that fear that we feel at that that fear that we feel at that moment or is that an actual sinister thing right i'd say there's no probably real way to really tell at that moment mm -hmm. and and later on i think it's just going to become your interpretation of what you're seeing mm -hmm. now actual torment i think is different uh but you know, if I was to, in the, the same thing, if I was to walk in the woods and I saw Bigfoot or something, you know, 
Am I going to get scared? Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but does he mean me any harm? Probably not. He just Probably wants not. to survive too yeah. and get away. So I say there's definitely a. Uh, I'd say we definitely do project our own kind of fears because we're kind of a scared species in many ways. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Robert? What do you? How do you feel about that? Well, uh, I I think I pretty much agree with you about the the fact that <clears throat> or Luke that uh, you have to kind of look at the thing as a kind of a fifty fifty type of thing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I was thinking while we were talking there <clears throat> about quantum physics and quantum reality and I know a lot of people maybe make more out of that than they should but one of the one of the, the uh, notions that has come out in quantum theory is that you have an observer influenced universe uh, some people take it even farther and say that in some respect you have an observer created universe Mm -hmm. uh, but at any rate, we, we're pretty sure that we have an observer-influenced universe, which is <clears throat> you, can, you can set up an experiment or an event uh, in such a way that you change what happens based on what it is you're looking for. And that's interesting and kind of fun to think about. But it's also interesting when you reverse the idea and say, <clears throat> you know, if I do live in a partly observer-created universe or influenced universe, then if, and if there are other guys out there, are they influencing me, you know? Uh, if, if, the, if something, some event out in the universe is objective to my subjective, uh, what about the fact that I'm the objective to somebody else's subjective? If, if that, if I'm making myself at all clear. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What if you're the figment of somebody else's imagination? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guess to carry it that far. Uh huh. Yeah. But <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things kind of blow your mind in a way. You know? Oh yeah. It's those kind of thoughts. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's where my whole plane of existence theory kind of comes in, where you've got the kind of matrix backup dimension that is the coding for this one and on a higher and a lower level. Like a lower dimension, you know, that would make up more of the physical, solid, everything on the planet, and then the higher dimension above the one that we're in that makes up the more ethereal beings and stuff like that going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things we talk about, um, Robert, is, uh, and this was something that uh, started with me uh, with Future Quake, when uh, he had, Dr. Future had on Adam Ellenboss, who we've had on our show. That's yeah. probably like Luke's favorite interview ever. One of mine. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite. And I, are you familiar with Adam Ellenboss? I don't think who so. Who he is? Well, he, um, he wrote a book called Fishers of Men, and it's about his experience with ayahuasca. All right. Uh, on Mike's show, he kind of went into his background and why he did that. You know, he came from a Christian background, he, and then later on went into this ayahuasca thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we explored 
on our show a little bit more of kind of the experiences that he had and what he got out of it. And uh, what what did he get out of it? Can, can you just briefly? Well, I mean, he kind of uh, what what it was was that he I mean basically changed his life. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he you know, Luke baby could tell you a little bit more. It, um, it puts you through such a an emotional journey that uh, you're forced to kind of abandon the things that are more menial in your life after you've gone through it. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you're training for a marathon and you've finally gotten to the level to know that you can complete the marathon and you have, but think of this as a trip, like an uncontrollable trip that you're just along for the ride, you know, and after it's over, it kind of makes you reassess a lot of things in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a, a, a really powerful form of self-therapy. All right. Yeah, it's one of those, it's just kind of one of those things where uh, you you look at it and you see these kind of, you know, when he was doing his in his hallucinations, these different kinds of beings that would come to him. Hmm. Now, you know, this kind of goes back into our idea about subjective reality. Was he making those beings up in his mind? Were they external? Were they internal or were they external to him? So, you know, this is one other thing that we have explored is been kind of the use of those kind of drugs and what they may mean for, like, the occult and uh, and how that has influenced kind of like the secret societies as well. Mm-hmm. So... I wonder, you know, I think that that is a connection between the conspiracy stuff and the paranormal stuff, myself. Okay. Uh, Do you have any insight to that? I I wanted to know if if Luke wanted to say anything more about his idea of uh, planes of uh, consciousness or or what the correct word is there. Uh, Well, when he was talking about rather the beings in the ayahuasca experience are internal or external... Um, of course, you know, I'm going to say a little bit of both, but at the same time, I'm going to have to go with more external because, you know, I believe in that plane of existence that contains thoughts, ideas, emotions, then all of us as humans are just carriers, you know, for these things and all of our emotions and thoughts are borrowed. They've happened before because, you know, we've existed for so many millions of years. Uh, you know, well, not, you know, not just humanity, but all of the other uh, creatures, you know, in the whole universe are sharing thoughts, ideas, and emotions from the same plane of existence. That I, I think I agree with you. Go on. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I guess that's it. Okay. <laughs> I think that goes into what I was talking about with the uh, with the psychedelic drugs thing. Uh, with you know. We talked to Adam Ellenboss about that, mm-hmm. uh, what Luke was just saying, the different kind of planes of existence. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers the other night, and uh, he was telling me that when he dreams, that he only dreams of places that he's seen before. Huh. And, okay. and he's never dreamed of, he, he's never dreamed up a field or something like that that he's never been in. And when I told him that I always go places in my dreams that I've never seen before, that my 
you know, I'd make them, they seem to come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's, there's definitely places I've never been before, and he doesn't, he couldn't grasp that. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, how about Adam? I've never heard of something like that. Adam, what, what's, your, what's your typical experience in the dream state? Where you've been before or where you've not? Uh, I mean, it, it's a mix, really. Uh, sometimes I'll dream of stuff that's not there or not that I haven't ever been to. Or I'll dream of someplace that is mm-hmm. fairly familiar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I've never actually heard of something like that where you just you dream of only things that you've ever seen. Right. No. Yeah, that's a new that's a new one to me. Usually, I would say, uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm dreaming at least into a situation I've never been in, which uh, <clears throat> kind of brings you to Have you ever had a deja vu type of a experience, an extended? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've dreamed of situations, uh, just minor kind of mundane situations, that 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 have come true. Right. You know, like I'll be sitting with a particular group of people, and I'll have all of a sudden have that deja vu feeling, uh-huh. and I'll realize, you know, I just dreamed this a few hours ago, or like a few days ago. Yeah, and, yeah, and that you know? that never happens to me. Yeah. That does not happen to you. No. Huh. Interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I've, you know, I've had some deja vu type of experiences, uh, and it makes me think that what happens is uh, it's it's an extended it's an extended view of what I would call problem solving. You know, we I, I used to talk to my kids in math class about the fact that you can set your mind <clears throat> to work out a solution to a math problem. And you sleep on it, and you get the answer to the problem. Sometime during the night, you wake up in the morning, and you've got the answer. Which means what you've really done is somehow your brain has either itself synthesized the answer within itself, or there's an answer out there in the ether somewhere, Mm -hmm. and your, your mind is able to access it. And I'm not sure which it is, and I'm sure there's a big difference. <clears throat> but if you take the second view, that what you're really doing is kind of remote viewing the answer out there, that it's that it's sitting out there waiting for you to hunt for it, and mm-hmm. you do, then if you kind of bring that back to the deja vu experience, <clears throat> maybe what we're doing in a case like that is we're we're remote viewing a a problem and its solution in the future uh and and we're helping to bring it into existence or giving ourselves confidence or something like that and and that's what's happening we're we're previewing um a significant event and and receiving the assurance that everything's working out as it should or something like that yeah. yeah, it makes sense. I, yeah, like I said, it's just mundane things for me. It's nothing important. It's uh, just... <clears throat> but see, uh, I'm, I'm sure since you're mathematically minded, you know, you would probably wake up at certain times of the night and be working out problems, you know, in your head. Right. And for me, it's music. Okay. So I'll, I'll wake up, you know, sometimes just randomly throughout the night, 4 or 5 uh, a.m., and I'll have a song in my head that I've never heard of before or anything. It's a it's a beautiful song. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. And 
and I'll uh, I'll be too tired to even like reach over and grab my phone and record it or whatever. I'll just be lazy and go back to sleep and forget it, you know. <laughs> Not and, and I when I wake up, I try to remember so hard, like oh man, how did it go? But you can't, you yeah. know. If you don't record it immediately, it's gone. But do you think that uh, it it uh, it remains latent and maybe does influence you in your waking moments when you're creating music? Oh yeah, definitely. I I have a lot of um, songs that float around my head and even get stuck in my head, and I'll you know I'll be thinking them out for hours, and they're not even real songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and the styles of music sometimes will be completely different from one another. That, that's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I had an experience uh, in God when I was a young man that was very profound for me. And uh, one of the things that happened as a result of that immediately was uh, <clears throat> I was able to produce music for the first time. Uh, hmm. I'm not a musically gifted person. Uh, I like to hear music, but I'm no good at creating it and <clears throat> and not even in deeply analyzing it. I just kind of know what I like. But as a result of this experience, I found out that uh, I could create music in the shower like I'd never been able to do before. It was quite a lot of fun, but that's sort of, <laughs> sort of a side story. Yeah. What do you think changed? I think it was, I think it was an, it was specifically an openness to creative power. Um, I, I don't know what to say beyond that, but it was, it, it was phenomenal to me. I was really impressed. <laughs> oh yeah, just uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Yeah. So I mean, what's uh, is there any instrument in particular, or was it, or just singing? No, you're I was just about? singing, humming. But uh, it was, it was like freedom. It was sort of like. I guess the closest thing it would be from what I've heard would be like jazz where you're just sort of making it up as you go sort of feeling uh -huh. you're you're just kind of into it and right. the music comes style. Uh -huh. cool well let me ask you Robert I want to get you down to talk about get this down on recorded uh, about your ideas about ghosts okay this is one thing that we've talked about on the show. Probably killed Luke with it okay. too much. But uh, it's always been something that's always fascinated me. Right? Ever since I was little. And I'm, being a Christian, it's something that is usually kind of, kind of frowned upon to believe in. <laughs> now, I remember going to a certain conference that uh, you and I were attending and there was a gentleman there uh, that uh, was telling, talking about how all ghosts were just satanic. Mm. Uh, that it was just a trick of the devil. Oh, And of course he's, he's going like in. Like somebody is impersonating uh, the spirit of a dead person. Right. It isn't even authentically that person. Right, it's not, yeah, exactly. It's just all a big master plan to lead you away from God. Mm. Uh, now, I remember that you were there not very long when you just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought later, 
when I was done with the uh, with the guy, I I thought later to ask you about how you felt about ghosts and what you felt that they would that they were. You know, that's <clears throat> that's probably a, a complex question if we took the word ghost in its comprehensive meaning, which, you know, we can use the word ghost interchangeably with the word spirit, right. then, man, there's all kinds of things on the table. But thinking right. of, a, of a ghost in the more or less common usage, uh, <clears throat> where it's something that seems to us to be uh, the spirit of a dead person or something like that, um, I, I believe... Uh, I, I suspect, I, I don't have enough to say I have a belief, but I suspect that many times these ghosts are what they purport to be. Uh, that what you have there is the actual discarnate uh, spirit of a person who has previously existed as an embodied human being. And, and I, I personally think that's the way they should be understood and until there's, you know, compelling evidence otherwise. That's what I'd say. Okay. And my angle on that would be more like uh, the, that it's neutral spirit energy that has had some kind of emotional uh, emotional properties attached to it. Okay. So instead of instead of these spiritual beings being individuals, they're all of the same energy, but part of that energy has uh, loomed around a person and then been, been taken over by either positive or negative emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have wondered, and this has only been recent to me, but thinking about the power of consciousness, is, is it possible that we can create words uh, that are not necessarily the embodiment of ourselves, but that we can create words and energize them in such a way that they take on a substantial reality, uh, or <clears throat> maybe I won't say a spiritual reality, that just lingers, that it's just there. Uh, and I'm not sure what I'm saying at that point, but I'm just wondering if... <clears throat> Um, if this gets into some things where um, the, some of the old spiritual theoreticians talk about elementals, for example, mm -hmm. uh, where you have uh, what I think, you're, Luke, you're kind of referring to is some kind of an elemental energy. Uh, maybe it has emotional overtones or maybe it's just a, just kind of a a physical abstraction, whatever it is, but that it, that it maintains some kind of a cohesion. Uh, right. Yeah, and it exists. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about. See, there's so much debate over the whole ghost thing. I mean, you got people that have different theories. Mm -hmm. um, the main thing to me is this idea of, well, it's all demonic. Mm. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't either. Uh, now, I, that being said, I think that if you're in a situation, and especially with all the ghost hunters that are out today going into abandoned buildings and 
one big one in your neck of the woods, Waverly Hill Sanitarium. Okay. That, uh, you know, when you're going into these places, you probably should uh, take some precautions of what you're messing with. Right. Uh, now, that being said as well, if Grandpa comes to you at the, at the end of the night to tell you goodbye after he's died mm -hmm. or to tell you to or to tell you where he buried his money uh -huh. then more than likely i don't think that that's an evil spirit right i think that's probably grandpa <laughs> right <laughs> hey, that's funny you should mention that uh i had a, a a young man that uh dropped by and visited me just about a year or so ago yeah and uh we got into a great conversation like this and <clears throat> And he told me that basically that very thing had happened to him. Uh, his, only this in his case, I believe it was his dad, um, whom his family had been split up and he hadn't seen his dad for like 10 or 15 years or something since he was a little kid. And when he was in his late teen years or maybe early 20s, his dad passed away and he didn't know it. But his dad appeared to him in some kind of a dream situation and talked to him. And it was a brief conversation, but, you know, it was along the lines of, uh, you know, I, I wish you well. Um, maybe yeah. don't make some of the same mistakes I did uh, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, it was, it was not a, a frightening sort of thing. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of pathos to it. And after this experience happened to him, he was pretty sure that his relative, I think it was his dad, had died. And uh, he found out, sure enough, a day or two later, he, he received word that he had passed at that time. Yeah. And you hear all kinds of stories mm -hmm. about that. But, you know, one of the things, and I know, you know, you and Adam and I, <clears throat> Adam and I are both Christians. Uh, this is the kind of thing that you just... You don't tell the story in church. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can tell I can tell it to you on this podcast, but if I if I you know, I'm just not gonna get into it. With yeah. with the folks in church that have got all the answers and they think I'm way out in left field or something like that. I'm I'm not just gonna even go there. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this before, um, but that the the guy that we saw at this conference uh, some ladies in the in the audience started talking, and they say, "Well, we got this girl in our church, and she uh, she has uh, she's been seeing her mom. She's like fifteen year old girl okay. or something. She's like she's been seeing her mom come to her at night, and we've been telling her that's the devil. Oh man, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, wow, you know what." What damage are you doing exactly. to, this, to this girl right now? Yeah, you know, she's lost her mom. So right. just close the door and yeah. just shut it all up. <laughs> this know. could be a figment of her imagination anyway, or just how she's coping with it. It could not be her mom. Right. But you're like, no, that's that's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is totally unjust. I don't think you were in there for that one. No, I, I missed that. You missed that. Is that the same pastor that made uh, our neighbors in Murfreesboro burn all those little Pokemon cards because they're evil? No, no, no. This <laughs> is somebody else. You gotta watch out for those Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, uh, 
I want to talk about in the time we have left, uh, you know, do you have any kind of expectations for 2014? Do you see that anything is going to happen major? Uh, do you see that we're going to have, you know, anything uh, serious happen? Or you just think we're just more just kind of going on the, still going the same way we're going to go? My feeling is that we're more or less going to still be going along whatever way we're going. We might take some kind of a sharp turn one way or the other, but I, I if if we are, I <clears throat> I haven't foreseen what it is. But one of the things that I think um, has been on my mind is um, that people such as ourselves can develop some some intentions, some firm intentions, and uh, we can make a difference. Uh, and this might, might be a difference that's, that's very, very localized. I don't mean that we're you know, going to change the world or something, but that we can make yeah. some significant differences mm -hmm. where we are or within ourselves and so forth that may have a, an unexpectedly powerful impact, at least on our own lives. That's, that's very motivational. I mean, uh, it, it's like a butterfly effect. Uh -huh. You know, you do something small locally around your community, and it has consequences like unseen. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Luke's already gone. He's already been going to like the anti-Monsanto pro protests. Good. And stuff like Great. That. I, I try. I try to do my part. It. It. Uh, that, that's something that I try not to think about too much. Is the the damage that's being done to the planet just right. over stupidity just ignorance and greed and uh yeah it it's absolutely unnecessary and and uh i'd say within the next you know 100 years that things are going to be in pretty bad shape because we we've, we've got uh fukushima and the radiation coming across the pacific and right you know we we uh monsanto is actually directly responsible for killing killing uh, making extinct spe several species of plants and animals probably there's probably a list of them yeah <laughs> that, yeah. And, uh, hey, sometime, <clears throat> Adam, you want to pick up on another subject? We ought to we ought to spend some time talking about Fukushima. I'd be interested in in your guys' take on that. Well, I don't know too much about it. Luke uh, is kind of more the expert on that. I, I watched been, uh, watching a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, I've been reading and watching some things and keeping up with it. And uh, they've they've made a whole field of uh, just just real quick sum it up. They've made yeah. a whole field of makeshift tanks to uh, hold the most contaminated water, but these makeshift tanks aren't built really strong. So, I mean, they, they could fail, you know, with the next storm or hurricane, just the, the slightest, you know, the weakest hurricane could make these tanks fail and all that contaminated water will come back out into the ocean. And uh, on top of that, there's the whole bank of fuel rods that are underneath the water. And uh, they have to, they're okay for now, but they have to all be extracted and uh you know very carefully by like hazmat teams and stuff and uh if one of those rods is broken then you know you say goodbye to all life in the pacific right i have read the same type of thing and uh i ran across That's something um uh, maybe just today or yesterday and it might have been on lou rockwell website that uh, there has been some recent event at fukushima like within the last 10 days or five days or something that is very serious, and uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, so I won't pretend to. But 
I'd be interested in following up on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually check it out later. Let me ask you a question, Robert. About a, we're kind of going to change gears before we go All right. here. Something I've been studying recently. Uh, I was, <laughs> I'll tell you a story first. I was watching the 50 year anniversary of uh, with my dad over um, Thanksgiving. Uh, like the CNN special. On Kennedy? About Kennedy. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, 50th anniversary of Kennedy. And, you know, it's just been a long time thing between me and my dad. My dad's convinced that Lee Harvey Oswald did it alone and, and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. Right. <laughs> I think all three of us here speaking are not. Right. And uh, so, you know, they just do this hit piece on just just defaming all the conspiracy stuff and just saying how, you know, it's all stupid and, and all this. And I would like your opinion on all this stuff of why they keep the mainstream media, why they keep just focusing back and saying it was Oswald alone when nobody, probably like what, 80% of the United States people right. do not believe that it was that 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 it was a, a lone assassin. And why keep harp, hopping on it? Why keep you know it's 50, it's been 50 years. Anybody that was involved is probably dead by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except you know what? they're not. That's the funny thing. Uh <clears throat> When you have a guy like Arlen Specter, who was yeah. the uh, he was the guy who was who was assigned the job, in my view, of uh, the magic bullet, silver bullet theory, and yeah. he had to sell that, you know, to the public via the Warren Commission. You know, somebody in the shadows there probably made him some promises that. Uh, they would cover his political future in exchange for him carrying the water for him. And there's a sense in which somebody's got to come through on that. Uh, so <clears throat> I, I guess, uh, I guess what I'd say is uh, one of the things that I'm convinced of was that uh, was that John Kennedy was killed by the underworld. And the mafia. And <clears throat> could be. But he was killed right. by the underworld and by whatever name they go, uh they have certain modes of operation that they themselves are committed to and they have to make promises to each other and uh not break those promises and so forth. And uh, the only thing that makes sense to me, it's like you say, it really doesn't make sense just from an ordinary political point of view for them to keep on covering this up after 50 years. It's like yeah. a, a train of events and promises and so forth were set in motion that <clears throat> that these guys are still having to carry out. And it's peculiar. I agree. I just think that if if the, if it was come out 
tomorrow or something, and it was said on mainstream television, look, Kennedy was assassinated by the CIA, uh, you know, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald, I don't think most Americans would even care. <laughs> They'd just be like, oh, okay. The answer to all of that's pretty apparent to me, because if you, if you, if they admitted to that, then and that's going to cause a lot of doubt for every other false flag thing that's been going on. They got to admit to everything else. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. like that's like the key. Right. Yeah. That unlocks the door. Yeah. That's where I was. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that's true. I think uh, it's kind of like a a blanket over uh, a bunch of solid objects. And as long as long as you can keep that blanket and say, you know, this is just topography. Uh, these lumps don't really mean anything. There's really nothing specific underneath them. Uh, it's just the shape of the mountains or something. That's that's one thing. But if at any point uh, it wears thin enough that you can actually see through it, and you can see the crap that's going on underneath, man, that's a pretty big giveaway. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Robert, is there anything that you want to add um, before we, we no? It's been a take off here. It's been a great conversation, though. I appreciate you inviting me on. Absolutely, oh, thank you, Robert. Uh, stay on the line for us. Okay. And zoom uh, what add Luke or go ahead, call All right. it. All right. All right. We'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal. All right. Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, and uh, we're back. With Mr. Robert Hyde on the line. We're just gonna do short brief uh outro here what do you think of the interview there um like i said we we started off uh kind of dragging a little bit and then toward the end it started popping off so. yeah yeah robert likes to ask he likes to ask us questions <laughs> yeah yeah i know he's a, he becomes the interviewer <laughs> right yeah the tables were turned uh i wanted to tell you though uh about a dream that i had last night uh we were talking about dreams earlier mm-hmm. uh I was in my dream, and this is interesting because this jogged my memory about it because you're talking about familiar places. Mm-hmm. Well, I was in a familiar place. I was in Chattanooga, which, as you know, right, is my hometown. If nobody knows that, you know, that's where I'm from. Well, I'm uh, I'm in a hotel room. I'm on the second floor of the hotel. Uh, one of those kind of like two level hotels uh-huh. okay and I look outside and there's this big cloud in the distance and I just see this cloud slowly form into a funnel cloud into a tornado and it's coming straight to me I'm like looking at it, I'm like oh god you know, what's gonna happen so I run into the hotel and I run into the bathroom and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm on the second floor, there's no way, it's heading straight for the hotel, I'm gonna get killed. And I put my head, you know, my, my, my hands over my neck and I was huddled in the bathroom, I'm like, oh, please God, don't let me die. I'm like praying really hard. Mm-hmm. And then, nothing. I actually wake up in the dream and that's weird. Have you ever had that happen? When you wake up in a dream? Yeah. Actually, uh, that's uh, that's really important. That's one of the phases for like a uh, veteran lucid dreamer. Really? Yeah. That, uh, it's like uh, that movie uh, Inception. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, 
there, um, you know, a lot of lucid dreamers practice to do this. Um, that's that's something that weird. Yeah, it, and what it is 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 creating another awareness. See, the whole point of lucid dreaming is to uh, be able to have complete reign and complete freedom over your dream space. So mm -hmm. uh, that that's one of the steps to get to that level is to start waking up in your dream and becoming aware that you're dreaming. Well, so I wake up. I wasn't necessarily aware that I was dreaming, but I woke up. Okay. And I have the door to the bathroom over me. Mm-hmm. I get up, push the door off. The hotel room, besides the door being off the hinge, is perfectly okay. Right. Well, nothing wrong with it. All of those things too are highly symbolic. I, I go outside to to the like deck area, the railing. Mm -hmm. I look out; it's completely sunny. There's nothing wrong. Okay. Uh, there's some people like gathering brush and stuff around me. Uh, and I'm just like, what's going on? Well, this guy comes up to me, thinking he had like a hard hat, and he's like, oh, well, you know, Udawal Collegedale area got hit really bad. I think you're, like, he's, he acted like he knew me. And he's like, I think your parents' house might be gone. And I'm like, what? And then I wake up. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, so what's your, what's, what's your symbolism? Uh, I'm, I'm no professional at this because all, all I can do is just relate, like, the same things that's happened in my dreams and what I remember that I looked up because each thing symbolizes something entirely different. Every every little minute aspect of a dream means something symbolically and that's something that I meant to talk about earlier when we were talking to Robert that uh, uh, oh, I lost track. Uh, um, okay, I, I was going to say that uh, you can tell whenever you have those dreams that are regurgitations of what's going on throughout the day, someone that you've that's been on your mind, you know, yeah. so forth. You can tell when a dream is just a regurgitation of thought, and then you can tell the difference between that and the dream that is highly symbolic. <clears throat> and so, I would, if I were you, I would just download that app on my phone, uh, uh, Dream Moods, is what okay. it's called, free app, and you scroll down through the list and. Uh, it has every everything on there. Like everything I've ever dreamt of is on that list to look at and tells you exactly what it means and stuff. And it's helped me out a lot because it's kind of like a you know, self therapy throughout the night. It's like your subconscious trying to correct itself. And uh so so a storm, tornado you know, or storm means that uh it means like obviously there's like a chaotic thing happening in life right now. In the motel, it kind of symbolizes a transitional phase because no one ever, or they do, but you know, motels are meant to stay the night in or whatever, and then be on your way. Right. So you you got the you got the storm that's trying to tell you not to waste your time and efforts on like more menial things in life, and then the motel symbolizes, um, like I said, uh, transition, transitional phase. Okay. Which I'm going through. Yeah. And then uh, the prayer and the sunshine and everything else, I don't know. You have to look that up. Okay. Because it was strange in the dream because my my thought in the dream, of course, you know, it's a very vivid dream. You know, it's one of those dreams where you think it's absolutely real. Right. And my thought in the dream is, you know, oh, shit. You know, this tornado's heading straight for this hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm going to die. 
right now. And but I wake it, but I go huddle in the bathroom and I wake up. The only thing wrong, like I said, with the hotel, with the room, was that the door was off its hinge. Was it? That means that's symbolic of something too. Like mm-hmm. each little thing. And was over me, and I had to push it off. Yeah, that yeah, that's definitely symbolic. I couldn't tell you, but you have to look it up and kind of gather because they they have several different angles too in each uh, description that you look up. Well, this is very strange, and just you know, kind of want to talk about it on the show. Yeah. So. Very interesting. Yeah. It, we, we should have somebody who would talk about, like, dreams. A dream expert. Mean. That yeah. would be awesome. Because, dude, uh, I've thought about this before. If, if you, if someone studies that kind of stuff thoroughly, and then a person told them about their dream, and to someone who's like, analyzes dreams, you know, all the time, they would have a complete introspective into that person's life and personality, be able to... Com- tell what's going on entirely right. in that person's right. life. From what you just told me about two things, it fits pretty well with my life and what's going on in it right now. So, yeah. you know, just time of transition. Well, uh, I'm going to call it a night. Uh, I think we had a pretty good show for, oh, yeah. good, for 2014. Uh, going to work on getting guests on. Uh, going to work on possibly doing some shows of just you and I and talk about different um, subjects. So right. be thinking of things you want to talk about. Okay. So yeah, we could have like a Fukushima show too. Yeah, that sounds like that would be good. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take us out, Luke. Thank you guys for joining us once again, our loyal listeners on Conspiratorial. Love you.
But I love you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.